The word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. Now here we are today and we're carrying on with this series which is the sermon that Jesus preached and last week and this week I'm looking at this part of it which is don't worry and don't judge. And, and it's relevant for us, isn't it? Don't worry and don't judge. That's where we're coming to. Last week, we, we looked at the fact that Jesus was saying particularly to his followers. And don't forget, this message isn't just to everybody. It's not just to those people that haven't even heard about God or don't know about God. This message that Jesus is preaching is, if you like, is to the people who are saying, I want to follow you, Jesus. So he's speaking to us. He's speaking, as it were, to the church of that time. He's speaking to those people for whom they're saying, right, we've signed up to know who you are, and we want to know, and we want to listen to what you have to say to us so that we can take it on board and we can live out our lives according to what you're asking us to. And he's saying to them, look, I don't want you to worry, and I don't want you to judge. That's the part that we've got to in the message that he's bringing. And last week we heard that he said this. Well, I'm going to read it today. Matthew 6 24 and 25. Jesus has been preaching, no, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing. And of course, as we were looking last week, he went on to remind his followers that God really does care for us because he's saying to them, listen, hang on, you need to get hold of some things. Look, I tell you what, look at the birds of the air. They are being fed. They're being looked after. Consider the lilies of the field. Look how beautiful are Look how they're arrayed in all their glory. God cares for them. And we need to take stock and we need to look and we need to give consideration to how God is looking after those living things. And therefore, we also need to understand that he is concerned about us. After all, Jesus went on to say, Matthew 6, 26, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? And that's his point. Look, you think of all of the birds, the creatures, the animals all around the world, all the, the beauty of the, the trees and the flowers and everything that we see. And God says, look, you're, we're thinking about how wonderful they are, how we need to care for our planet, how we need to look after these things, how we're so grateful for them. And then he's saying, but remember that you are more valuable than all of those things. God cares for you. But having got to that point, then Jesus says this to those listeners of his. He says, why do you have so little faith? Why do you have so little faith? And Jesus comes to the point where he identifies what our problem is. The cause of our trouble, if you like. The cause of our trouble is this. We have little faith. Now it's interesting, isn't it, that Jesus doesn't say you have no faith. 
It's not that he's standing up there and saying, the problem with all of you lot is this, you've got no faith at all. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, the problem is, the issue that we're dealing with, is that you've got little faith. It's not a complete lack that's the problem. It's the fact that we don't have sufficient faith. That's the problem. Yes, we have faith. We have a saving faith. We have a faith that believes in Jesus, that he has died for us, that he has forgiven our sins. We are saved because of what he has done. But if we're going to overcome anxiety and worry, those things that so often trouble us and that come against us, then we're not only going to have to believe on him, we're going to have to believe in him and what he says. You see, we can believe in the salvation that he gives. Yes, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. Yes, Jesus, I believe that if I trust in you, my sin is going to be forgiven. Yes, I'm believing in that. That's a saving faith, and we're believing for that, but we need to go more than that. It's not just believing that Jesus has come to save us, but we need to believe in every word that he says. We need to believe not only in him, but we need to believe him. Everything that he says is truth. Everything that he says. Sometimes we just want to get the bit, oh, I'm going to take hold of that because that's a, I'm a sinner. I need to get right with God. I must receive that. So we've taken hold of that, but it's bigger than that. And we need to believe in every word that he says. He says in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Are you weary? Are you burdened? Are you worrying? Are you thinking about the future and are so concerned what's going to happen to me? What is Jesus saying? He's saying this. Come to me. Now, when I read that, I tell you what often happens to me is I go to the things that I think will help. Hey, I've got an idea. This might help me. Perhaps if I go and eat this or do this or watch this or comfort myself in whatever way, will just bring some peace and comfort and get away from the pressures that are building up against me. What can I do? And Jesus is saying, listen, this is one of the problems. I'm telling you what you need to do. Come to me. Come to me. Every one of you who is burdened and weary, I will give you rest. And we need to apply some of the teaching that Jesus has given. What the psalmist says is so true. We need to give some solid thinking to strengthen our little faith. The psalmist says in Psalm 46 verse 10, Be still and know that I am God. Now being still doesn't mean you just got to be silent and remain without any movement. It doesn't mean that. It does mean this, that we stop from the pressures that's going on and we take that moment to consider what God is saying to us. We take time out, as it were. And this can be done at any moment during our day. It's as we, whoa, I'm not going to allow that thought to dominate me. I'm just going to come back. And this is what Jesus is saying in his message. He's saying to everybody, listen, all around you is the evidence of me. And I know you're struggling with that. Not you, us. 
This evidence is around all of us. We're walking outside, we're seeing the birds, we're seeing the trees, we're seeing the flowers, we're seeing all of those things and virtually all the time. But somehow, we sometimes feel disconnected from God. We start to think, well, is he really there? And yet at the same time, God's saying, look. This is why we have to stop to be still and say, hang on a second. I've got to readjust my thinking. I've got to come to that place of refocusing my mind. As Jesus goes on to preach, he says this important reminder for us all. And this is what we raised as our verse for this year, if you remember back uh, in January. Matthew 6, verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first his kingdom. These are times when it is worrying because we're looking at the press and we're thinking, what is going to happen next? Of course it's worrying. But you see, what Jesus is saying is like, I care for you. We've just been singing that song over the overwhelming love of God. And he's saying, there's no mountain that I won't climb up. No lie I won't tear down. Hang on. He's saying this to us. These are the words he's bringing to us. You need to understand. I need to understand. God is for me. And he's for you. And he's caring about you. Now, it doesn't mean to say that difficulties don't come and that trials don't come. But it does mean that no matter what is happening, he is with you to help you and to watch over you because he's concerned about your life. You're not just a nobody. You're somebody that he has caused to come to pass. He has desired that you would be created. He knows who you are. He knows where you live. And he knows the purpose of your life. Now, what we tend to go back to is like, God, is that true? If that's true, how come all of these problems are coming my way? How come this is happening? And we could be saying that in terms of what happened. Suddenly on Friday, I get this phone call and I need to go and help out Charlotte. What? Because you've fallen down the stairs. Well, hang on a second. What about all those plans? What about all the things we're just about to put in place? What about everything? And you just have to say, I don't understand it. I don't want it. I don't want to have my life changed in this way. But, it, but it's happened. Because God allows things to happen. What we need to do is to turn back to him and say, God, in the midst of this, I need your peace. I need your strengthening. I need to trust in you. I need to remember that even when things are going bad, you are still for me. You are still helping me. You're still feeding the birds. You're still caring about how the the flowers of the field look. And you're still doing that. And if you're doing it for them and you value me more, then I need to be at rest and at peace to say that you are going to help me out. In these days, more than anything else, we need to hear this message that Jesus is bringing. He is saying to every one of us, do not worry. Do not worry, but take stock of the things around us. Then he goes on. He's not only saying about don't worry, but he goes on to instruct us that we shouldn't be judgmental. Let me just read to you Matthew now into chapter 7, the first six verses. Jesus preaches this, do not judge others and you will not be judged, for you will be treated as you treat The standard you use in judging is the standard by which you will be judged. 
And why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? Hypocrite. First get rid of the log in your own eye, then you will see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. Don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Don't throw your pearls to pigs. They will trample the pearls and then turn and attack you. So I don't want anybody to go home now if you've got a nice string of pearls to start throwing them to pigs. It's not, you know, not quite where we're getting. Let's just go through this so we understand it a bit better. I think the first question we need to ask is what does Jesus mean by when he says don't judge? Because when you look at it, even in some of the statements he's made, it would seem that Jesus has made judgments, has made critical observations. So when he says don't judge, it's not a case of we no longer make critical observations, because we do. You see, he said don't waste what is holy on people who are unholy. Well, hang on, how did you measure that? How did you come to that conclusion? Without making some sort of a judgment without making some sort of critical assessment. How did you get to that point? You see, you can see it. So Jesus doesn't mean do not make any sort of uh, a judgment, do not make any sort of critical assessment. Earlier he said, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, hang on, when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. Well, how did he know that those people were being hypocritical? Because he was making a judgment. He could see their behavior. He could understand what they were doing. So it's not a case when Jesus says, do not judge, that he means do not make any form of critical assessment. So what did he mean when he says, do not judge? He meant this. Don't judge others because of their clothes and what they wear. Don't judge others because of their perceived financial position or lack of financial position. Don't judge others because of their skin color, their cultural background, their nationality. How easy it is to judge somebody who says that they come from Russia at the moment. Don't judge others because of their accent or their lack of personal cleanliness. Don't judge them because they say they are Christians and yet they don't attend church. Don't judge them for not coming to the prayer meeting. Don't judge them quite simply because they don't act the same way as you do. Don't judge in that way. Well, why shouldn't we judge in that way? Because the measure that we use is going to be the measure that is used against us. Our, the way that we go about it, that's the same way that we ourselves will be judged. You see, we are all making judgments all of the time. Critical assessments is perhaps what I might try to use that word, only so that we can get round it in our heads and understand what I'm saying. We make critical assessments of many situations, circumstances and people all of the time. But despite making those assessments, we're not actually to judge people. You can go into a home and it can be obvious that the family don't have much money. You can know of a Christian who used to attend church but now no longer seems to do so. You know of the person who is always so full of themselves and you don't like it. You can make those situations. You understand. You can see those situations. 
But even though you can see those situations, what we're being told is that we shouldn't judge those people. We can observe the circumstances, but we're not to judge. Jesus is telling us not to judge people because of what we have observed. And we can say, okay, I understand that. That's, that's That's not a problem for me. Really? I think it's a problem for every single one of us. You see, there's a natural tendency that we all have. We would never say a pecking order. If you don't know anything about keeping chickens, of which I know very little, incidentally, but I do know this, that they have what is called a pecking order. In other words, they, they sort themselves out as a community into a hierarchy. That's what chickens do. But you see, we tend to do that ourselves. What we like to do is to look after ourselves. We like to protect ourselves. We like to make sure that actually when we're meeting other people, whatever they are, we can actually make critical assessments of them and then compare it to ourselves and find one area where at least, it's okay. I'm above them. Now I feel okay. We do do it. We do it all the time. In fact, we do it even without noticing that we do it. We're making judgments. We want to elevate ourselves. Because you see, we are important to ourselves. But what we need to realize is that everybody is equally as important to God. Oh, but no, they're not. Because you see, they haven't got the same circuit. or They speak differently. Or you can start putting people into categories. You start judging them. And Jesus is saying, don't judge them. Now, you can see the problem we've got because he's not saying, oh, I can understand that you must now never make a critical observation of any situation. That's not going to happen. In fact, we need to make observations about life. But what it does mean is you're going to come up to people and you're going to be able to have a whole list of things you've noticed about them. But you just got to park that. You see, when you start looking at things from Jesus' eyes, you start to see what he was like. When he was going around and he was healing people and he was dealing with the Pharisees, of course he knew what they were like. If you remember in the stories, it says Jesus knew exactly what they were thinking. Why do you have in your hearts this? Why are you thinking that evil? Sometimes he actually spoke against it. But he was understanding. He knew what was going on. But he didn't judge people. He loved people. And that's it. You know what? Most of us know what we're like. We know our faults. We know our strengths. But we know our weaknesses. We know that. We keep them covered up. But we know ourselves. And we also know what it's like to be treated with love and care. Despite that, we know what it's like. And so when you've got Jesus coming into a situation and he's loving people, When he's eating with the sinners and the tax collectors, they know they feel accepted. They know they feel loved. They know they're not being judged for their lives. And Jesus is saying, this is what I want the hallmark of my people to look like. That they're not judging. Imagine this, you're you're at work or you're at school and you know that somebody's coming to join your work team or they're coming into your class. Oh, what are they going to be like? You know, like... Are they going to be better than you? 
your team at work, are they going to be more efficient? Are they going to be cleverer than you? There's that sense in which you sort of feel a bit threatened. What's going to happen? So they arrive, they come in, and you see, look at the way they dress. <laughs> they don't know anything. That's okay then, isn't it? Because suddenly, I feel so much better. Now, I'm back in control. I'm not allowing... Your critical assessments came to a position of you judging, and all we're doing is we're fueling our own personal pride. We're elevating our self-righteousness. We're elevating ourselves to the position that we feel we need to be in. Do you remember how Jesus came into this sermon? When he started to say, guys, you need to have a sober judgment of yourselves. You need to realize your spiritual poverty. You need to be a people who are hungry and thirsting for righteousness. You need to be a people who are learning humility and laying their lives down. This is what, why? Because this is what God is like. And if you want to be my followers, then this is the way I want you to behave. And right now in the world, God is calling his people to arise, to behave like he would behave. So that the world might see that there is another way. So that the world might learn that sin is not the way for us to go. But that Jesus has come to save the world. And to redeem a people for himself. And in any case, you know what for Christians? There is a greater and greater urgency for this. As we see the evil arising. And that we know the days of his return are coming closer. This is time for us to arise and to gain strength in God. Don't worry, says Jesus. But instead keep your eyes focused on me. Keep looking around at the things that I've created, the things that I'm caring for, the things that I'm looking after. And remember, you are of greater value than all of those things. And I don't want you to judge. It's quite simple. You know what? We can walk out of here. You can walk down the high street. Maybe you're going to go back to the car park or you're going to go to the shops or something like that. And there's one of those people who's sitting down on the pavement begging, oh, for goodness sake, what's the matter? See, things can go on in our minds like that. We've been asked not to judge. It doesn't mean to say that you're not making observations. In fact, those observations need to stir our hearts that we might come back to God and say, God, have mercy upon Bromley. It's in a mess. The people of Bromley do not love you. The people of Bromley have turned away from you. Father, would you please come and visit this town? Will you come and revive this town? Will you cause the church in this town to burn brightly for you? Will you let every Christian arise in their homes? Lord, will you bring us an awakening that we're just walking through our lives day by day, uncaring, judging, being critical, being full of self-righteousness, elevating ourselves above what we should elevate ourselves, not thinking of other people in the way that we should. Lord, would you have mercy upon us? Would you come with your Holy Spirit to change us? Will you break into our lives? And will you bring the life of Jesus into us that we may serve your purposes? These are days when God is calling his people to himself. Do you feel that calling? 
It's not a case of us saying like, oh yeah, we're in the best place possible. These are the days when I'm looking at my life more and more and saying, what is this sin that is within me? What is this corruption that is still holding onto my life? I don't want to be held back with these things. I don't want to be locked in worries and fears and things like that. I don't want to be critical and judgmental of other people. Jesus, I need you. I need you. Do you know why I come to pray? Sometimes it's just like, where is he? Because I want him to reveal himself. I want his presence. I need him to change me. And it doesn't always feel like that. But he is real. And even those times when he feels distant, he's saying to us, please, remember the birds. Remember the flowers. Remember that I'm there. I've not forgotten about any one of you. I'm for you, not against you. I have purposes for you. But come back to me. Return to me. And I will return to you. That is what God is calling us to. And in these days, we may not be in Ukraine, we may not be fighting the war, but there is a war on our doorstep that we are fighting. And that is for the purposes of God to be revealed through his church so that the people who do not know him will be able to turn and find that he is real because everybody is looking for the reality of a God who will come to them and make himself known to them. And we as his people, he has called us in this time that your light would shine. If ever there's a time when you need to start opening your mouth again and saying, listen, there is a God that I'm trusting in. I don't know all about him. And often I feel feeble before him. But he has loved me. And he loves you too. And he wants to forgive your sin. Let's keep the gospel flowing from us. Because the days are dark. But the light is still shining. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church. You are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning. Or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.